Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello and welcome to episode 119. Tonight's show is brought to you by Sideways Green Triangle. That's right. <laughs> Don't use the Sideways Green Triangle. Andrea's going to read patrons. Uh, just This is going to be an extra weird show because normally Andrea is sitting about eight inches away from me and we're using a mixer and whatnot. And we don't talk over each other a lot because I can read her body language and vice versa. Uh, but now she's in Memphis, I'm in Colorado, and Kenny's in Utah. So this is a tri-state recording. And if it's not what you're used to, we'll give you back double your money and you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> we should really tell our stop, stop telling our listeners to go fuck themselves. No, they can fuck themselves while they're driving with their eyes closed. It's great. It's all good advice. I think people get arrested when they do that. Mm, okay, yeah. Uh, well. All right. At $10 a month, we've got Zozo, Zach, Will, Tom, Todd, Ty, Tennessee Zach, Taperboard Pro, Smells Like Sweat and Fear, SCG Shoe Co., Sam Pecklin Racing, Sam, Ryan, Ride Bikes, Hail Satan, Ralph Wiggum, <laughs> Parker, Noah, Nick, My Pal Dell, MTV Shenanigans, Lloyd Christmas, Leland Bolt. Oh, that, that's, that one's not a silly name. I shouldn't read that last name. Leland. Kenny Sucks. Ken. Josh, Josh, Jeff, JC, Jara Dix, Jake D, in, oh, fuck, god damn it, Clayton, Igna, fuck you, he just made his name three things that are hard to pronounce, I'm not even gonna do it. Nope, <laughs> I don't care if it was his birthday this week or not, Clayton is a dick, <laughs> or an asshole. Is this like a Finnish person trying to say squirrel? It is, it is, I'll, I'll copy this name. Drop it in the chat. I'll drop it in the chat, I'll edit out this dead ear. I'll just hold on. While Andrea's editing out dead air, I left something to drink out of reach. Hold on. I can do two of them. All right. Worcestershire anemone. Ignominious. Worcestershire okay. anemone. <laughs> okay, that was uh, Clayton at $10 a month. Continuing on. He got his money's worth. Green Giant. Gordon. G-Man. F that guy Mark. Ezra. Evan. Eric. Droopy Balls. Captain Fickle. Cam Irish one, Billy Singlespeed, Bill, Bo Baggins, Alec, AJ, Aaron, Esker Cycles at eleven sixty-nine per month, Lead Out Sports, and Josh from the Antezza at fourteen Australian, Dean at sixteen fifty Australian. At twenty dollars a month, we've got Scott, Pooperinch, Joe, Brady, Anthony, Harley at thirty, Troy at thirty-one, and six pack outdoors at fifty. Is I'm just curious, is poop wrench is that like you're trying to wrench out a poop? Or, I think no, it's like a poop I think knife. It is, yeah, it's the pedal wrench that you use at the shop to chop up turds that are too big to flush. Ah, from all the housewives taking too many, uh, too many opioids. <laughs> Why's it got to be housewives? Big old rocky hard poops. Because <laughs> Kenny lives in Utah, where I'm sure there's many housewives that are living their best life ever and don't need any medication to cope with reality. Yeah, you got it. Anyway. Since I'm talking, I'll go. <laughs> Is that what I normally do? Yeah. <laughs> Every time. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, but it makes sense. Don't be a dick about it. So, I today is Thursday. On Monday morning, I began my drive towards Memphis. I camped out in Oklahoma on Monday night at the, God, what state park was? I don't know. Some state park next to a lake. And got up and finished the drive to Memphis. 
I stopped at the Bass Pro Shop that is in the Pyramid, which is really weird because the last time I went to the Pyramid, I think it was some sort of concert. I don't remember which one. I didn't really do that many concerts, even as a teenager. So, uh, like teen 20s, I just wasn't wasn't really into it. So, it had been a long time since I'd been in there. And it was, I mean, it's a, it's a cool little tourist trap, really, if you want to see like a cool indoor fish pond and some alligators and some cool taxidermy. But other than that, like Are there the alligators actual, like alive in the water swimming around? Uh, they have an alligator section of the water. They don't just turn the alligators loose in with like the carp and the bass. Hmm. I think would, some all, kids, would the carp and the bass team up on the alligator? I'm pretty sure, you know, some kids would learn about nature is metal, you know, in an unplanned manner. But yeah, I mean, they're small alligators. They're like, I don't know, three or four feet long. They're not very big, but they were just chilling when I was there. But other than that, I mean, they have a bunch of, I don't know, just tchotchke kind of shit in there. Uh, they've got a lot of Bass Pro Shop merchandise, kind of your normal like tourist. I forgot my shorts and I need a pair. They do have a lot of fishing stuff. They have a big boat center. Their don't they have like a boat? Is... Don't they have like an indoor boat test track? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they do. You can like I... hop in a John boat and go rip it around. And be like, yeah, it's a good John boat. <laughs> I don't think they have that. I'm pretty sure uh, they, they do. have an they have an elevator you can ride up to the top of the pyramid to an observation deck. And it's $10 to do it. So I did not do it. And the hunting selection was really super weak. So it was uh, it was a quick trip. I just kind of wandered around. The employees there like kind of try to not make eye contact with you and like dart off if you look like you have a question. Like, is this really all of the women's hunting clothing that you have? Yeah, they don't they don't really want to talk to you. So um, yeah, I mean, if you have a Shields and a Bass Pro Shop in your town... Pretty much you just not go into that Bass Pro Shop ever for all of the reasons. But that was Tuesday. Went out to eat with my parents. Uh, helped them set up a Christmas tree. I rode the Wolf River Trails yesterday. And they were the Wolf River Trails. You know, you can haul ass, but there's, you know, there's lots of walkers and hikers and runners and stuff. So, you know, you got to like not be a dick when you're out there. Has anything, has anything changed? Are there any new like little optional lines or anything that looks like it's changed? Not on the Wolf River trails. Today I rode Stanky Creek and I have to say wow. at Stank. So I always, much to the chagrin of the old farts who cut the trail in the first place and maintained it, I always said, you know, there are some spots out there that are really freaking dumb. Like you're going at a high speed and then all of a sudden you have to make like a sudden you know, 85 degree turn where the, there's like a tree trunk that's going to grab your front wheel if you screw I mean, back, it up at all. I mean, let's, let's set the stage here. In the kind of, we'll call it early 2000s, it was fashionable in flatland mountain biking because it wasn't very challenging is you put in a lot of tree gates. Yeah. And you would have like weird stumpy, you know, crux sections that were just, they were pretty silly. They were challenging. Like I'm not going to deny that they're not challenging, but they're pretty dumb. Yeah, yeah, and I, I always kind of lamented those, and um, people got just, you know, it was like the normal thing, like, ah, just quit bitching about it and learn how to ride, and it's like, well, I've learned how to ride, and I'm still going to bitch about it, okay? Um, but actually, a lot of those sections, I guess, is people have just gotten better at, I don't e-bikes. know. E-bikes. Well, yeah, also, e- bars have gotten wider than 500 millimeters now. 
Yeah, yeah. So with people being on better suspension, going a little faster, wanting a trail that doesn't have little dumb spots, I'd say like 50% of the dumb spots at Stanky Creek are no longer dumb. Like you can tell, you know, just because I rode that trail so much, like I kind of know when I pass a spot like, oh, this used to go like around that tree or in between these trees and now it goes around the tree and it flows way better and you can because there's a lot of spots like stanky creeks like death by a thousand cuts like you over break in one turn and then the next you know 15 foot of elevation gain hill that's a little bit steep like you just have to pedal a lot more to get up that and now you can do that like you can kind of carry a little bit more speed it's still, you know, a relatively slow speed trail, but it's it's changed like that. Like, the trail has moved away from the dumb spots. Um, you can tell some people have definitely cut, like, a couple of trees out. Um, what is else the, has uh, Is that BMX jump park still there? That is still out there. I didn't really look at it that closely to see if it looked like people still used it, but it, I mean, it wasn't, like, taken over by kudzu or anything, so. Okay. Uh, that was still there. Um yeah, I mean, it was just Stanky Creek. It was it was fine. The trail's a little bit better marked now in most places. Some places it's still confusing because they use spray paint on the trees to mark, like, what trail color you're on. And there's definitely, there's a blue trail, a yellow trail, and a white trail. And just somewhere, like, on the far end of the white trail, there's a bunch of blue on the trees. And there's places where you can go different directions and, like, the spot where you used to be able to, and this is like super Memphis stuff that no one else is going to get besides us and like the five people in Memphis who listen. Uh, the spot where you can cut off the outhouse loop, no one ever uses that anymore. So you just kind of plow through a bunch of leaves to follow the white marks on the trees. Uh, because I did two laps pretty much. And the first lap I did the whole thing. And the second one I'm like, oh, I'm going to skip the outhouse loop. It's It's fun, but it's just an extra, I don't know, mile or two of trail that I didn't feel like doing because it's so fucking humid and I was like inhaling bugs because you just ride along and all of a sudden you hit just a patch of just bugs flying in the air and it's really unpleasant. But uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of Stinky Creek. It's I think it's a little better. It's kind of funny. Like, you know, can you know like the janky wood features? Like there was a wood berm mm-hmm. on the yellow trail yep. like that hasn't been touched since the last time I was out there, I don't know, in like 2014 or 15. It's As in just, it's in really bad shape or people don't like, use it anymore? Oh, it's like falling. Well, they don't use it anymore because it's like falling apart and it's just got a bunch of leaves piled up on it where people ride, you know, in well, front it, of it. It didn't work. Yeah, it didn't really work that well. The fast line, even when it was in good condition, was to only use the last like four feet of it in case you were going to blow it by flat cornering it. Yeah. So that's still there, but it's in, it's funny because like all of the wood features are still there in various states of disrepair and new wood features have also been added. So I didn't do any of them because I didn't know if I was going to roll up on, uh, like they've put in some, a few little like ramp jumps at places where the, you know, it like drops off downhill kind of quick. And I didn't do any of them because you can't tell unless you stop and like stand on it and check it out and look at the landing. Like you don't know if now there's like a tree down in the landing or if when you roll on the ramp, it's just going to collapse out from under you because all of it is still there. And it's all 
Yeah, it's like they put something in and just never do anything else to it to like make sure that it's still a, a stable piece of trail equipment. But yeah, it was it was all right. It was hot. I'm drowning in humidity right now. Um, if you hear me breathing heavily, it's because when I breathe in, like 90% of the air is water. That might be an exaggeration. Okay. Uh, is the Ron Drop still there? It is still there. It doesn't look like anyone uses it. Like the the leaves going to the Ron Drop have not been like packed in by people riding it, but the actual structure is still there. God, I want to see the Ron Drop because there's a chain mark in it from when I jumped up it on my BMX bike. Mm, sorry, I'm, I'm not going to go back out there. <laughs> Sorry. And this afternoon, I helped my parents put the Christmas lights up. And just a shout out to people here in Memphis that are listening. If anyone has like a, I don't know, if you or like a kid of yours could maybe give my parents a hand taking their Christmas lights down. I really don't want, my dad is, I think, 85 now. And I mean, he gets older than fuck. He gets around great for 85. I'm just going to say like, a lot of 85-year-olds are not doing as well as Gerald is, but I really don't want him climbing a ladder to take some of this shit down. I mean, I just, it's, it could end poorly. It probably wouldn't, but if anyone's got, you know, a kid or you or a buddy or something want to just like, even just take down like the one or two things that require a ladder and then, you know, toss them in a bucket and be like, all right, the rest of this, you're on your own. Uh, that would be really cool. So if you can just email me, Andrea at JustWritingAlongShow.com, I'd really appreciate it. That's it. That's all I got. Oh, shit. Yeah, one of you two got to go. All right. Since we recorded last, I... What did I do? I rode the trainer. Got all sweaty. I rode my stump jumper on the trainer because <laughs> that's the most logical thing that a person can do is put their biggest travel bike on the trainer. Um, a while back, we had to get our Wahoo replaced, and it came with quick-release adapters and i was like i'm never gonna use these and i threw them away and now i want to put my crave on the trainer and i'm like fuck i'm an idiot so i have to buy quick release adapters and i know what to order i've even like talked with them and made sure that they're compatible it's and they're not even expensive i'm just i'm just really frustrated that i have to buy them so i haven't yet but i should order those tonight and then i got a little dilemma that i'm gonna bring to y'all later about the crave but um Let's see. I rode the trainer. I worked on the Land Rover. Old motor's out. The truck is super power washed. The airbag system has been mostly removed. And I feel like I did something else. Like oh, the safety, the second... safety airbags or suspension airbags? Suspension airbags. Because they use this like rear airbag kit and they always fail and... I am in the process of removing those with Troy's help, and we're going to, not we're, I mean we are, but I already ordered um, a new Y-pipe for the exhaust, because that was still from the stock, and it was pretty haggard, but at some point along the way, the exhaust has been upgraded, so I only need from, like, I have new headers, I have, or like exhaust manifold, whatever. Um, do you have, new, do you have a metal glue gun over there? No. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. You mean like a, a welder? A welder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Glue it's a glue gun, gun, glue gun for adults. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I ordered a new Y-pipe that arrived today, and I ordered new shock towers for the front, new shocks for front and rear, and new coil springs for the front, and coil springs with the correct adapters for the rear, because 
you're adapting the airbag to coil spring. And that is going to be a two-inch lift if anyone gives a shit. Are you lifting the front also? All of it's two-inch, yeah. Oh, cool. Not fucking around. And I worked on tanning my deer hide since we talked last. And if you've never done that and you're considering doing it, just don't. (laughs) I'm totally going to do it if I ever get something that's, I don't know. If my elk could, I, I, I still... I don't. I don't want to say I regret not getting my elk hide because it was a very long way up in the woods. Uh, but I wish that I had it, and I look forward to having the opportunity to maybe recover one um, in the future. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. Uh, can I pitch a conundrum about my crave to y'all now and see which one makes more sense? Sure. So I sold my gravel bike, and I'm torn between. I have two ways I can make my crave feel less mountain bikey and more gravel bikey. And one would be I could run a narrow flat bar. Mm-hmm. And the second one would be I could try to set it up drop bar. So well, my yeah, vote, I mean that's I I would definitely try to set it up up flat bar or sorry, drop bar. My vote zero stem drop bar. Well, it's already kind of a, a shorter geometry, correct? It's fine. Zero stem. It's pretty long. I think with drop bar, I would still need a 60 or a 70 millimeter stem. Zero. That's all right. But you, but we also have, we still have that uh, zip bar that I was using at the house, correct? Yep. Yeah. So use, that's a, the shortest reach bar you can get. It's a good shape. Uh, It's, I don't know. I mean, put a 60 or 70 mil stem on there. That's not a big deal. Like that's not a big deal at all. Just put that bar I'm, and a shortish stem on there, and you're you're fine. So my question though is, should I try to set it up? So my thought was, I think it'd be kind of fun to have it set up with. We have some eleven speed red shifters, and just take the shifters out, and then use the control module out of those axis arrow bars that we have. To run blip shifters as the shifters. I don't know. I just set it up with Why normal. Why would you? Yeah, run... just just set it up with normal. Wait. Shit. So I guess are they they hydro or mechanical? They're hydro. The, the brakes. I was taking a big drink of drink. Yeah, they're hydro. Okay. I think that's yeah. I mean, I think that's reasonable. I mean, use what you got, right? Yeah, just set it up exactly how I had the vertex set up. I mean, you don't have to put a fork on it if you don't want to, but yeah, but I want to get those shifters on eBay. Well. Put them on your bike if that's going to be your gravel bike. It's fine. Whatever. All right. Yeah, just do that. You'll be all right. You could do the old mountain brake lever on a drop bar setup. <laughs> like not on the flats though, but you put them like sideways and upside down. <laughs> so they're in almost the same position as a hood would be, but you have no hoods. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds... That's, and then my my brake cable or brake hoses come out like towards the sky. And yeah, that's what they did in road bike party that trials when they were like raging on that road bike doing backflips and stuff. <laughs> I thought they ran those under the hood still though. No, no, they uh, they used like Hope mountain bike uh, levers and they put them in the drop bar position. Oh, but drop bike, like drop bar bikes are so capable. Like drop bar levers are so good. Yeah. Use that's the, heavy sarcasm. Just use the drop bar level levers that we have and just set it up like a normal drop bar mountain bike. Put some two-inch tires on it or whatever. I'm going to run those fast tracks Kenny gave me. Yeah. So whatever. why did you sell your gravel bike and not just sell the Crave? Because the Crave, I, I very rarely ride either of those. 
and the Crave is not worth $3,500. Okay, fair. I mean, if you have a bike with SRAM Red and XX1 and Zip wheels, and you're thinking that it's just going to live on the trainer for the next six months or whatever, or you can turn it into a lot of American currency, seems like turning it into currency is a smarter idea. Yeah, fair enough. So... That's what I did. I made it. I made it turn itself into money. <laughs> All right. What you been doing, Kenny? I've been buying motorcycles. Oh shit! Tell us about it. Yeah, I bought a Suron Ultra B. So it's just the little bit bigger uh, Suron, but it's like it's a lot like the KTM Freeride. It's like a seven eighth size bike, whereas a Suron or Talaria that we're all used to talking about and seeing, those are like we'll call it a three quarter size bike. So yeah, took it for its maiden voyage and it was absolutely fantastic. I've gotten really picky about stuff like wheels and tires and brakes and riding position and pegs and all that, just like you do on a mountain bike. Same thing in the moto world. You get to, you know, once you experiment with some stuff, you know what you like, you know what you don't like. And definitely- Did they make recons in that size? <laughs> if they did, I'd buy them. Uh, no, you want on motorcycles, you want some freaking knobby tires. Generally, so generally speaking, if you're riding more trail slash enduro, you're going to want to have, you don't need super like deep tread tires necessarily. You need a very, very soft rubber compound. You definitely want to have like some side knobs and everything, but you don't need to have your traditional looking motocross tire. Motocross tires are for like very specific conditions like sandy, loamy, that kind of stuff where they can dig down a few inches all the time and it's very consistent dirt Uh, because when you're on a motocross track, you're not riding over like slate rock and roots and all that kind of stuff. So very different, mostly compound differences more than tread. So just having a very soft, gummy, flexible tire in a trail situation is very good and having a much more like rigid, tall knob tire is better in a motocross situation but anyway the tires on it from the factory are pretty terrible it's 19 front and rear which is very unusual Uh, and like the pegs aren't very good and the bar is like a little too low all that stuff but all that stuff aside that thing rode like a freaking million bucks right out of the box it's insane so like what a good what a good bike for the money i picked it up local it was on a little bit of a deal for i guess the holidays i have no idea one of my buddies just sent me a link and said like hey these things are like kind of a good deal right now. I don't know if they bought too many or what, but I got it from Charge Cycle Works here in Salt Lake City. So shout out to them if anybody uh, in Utah or maybe close to Utah is looking for an e-moto. They carry all kinds of stuff and they're like huge, big up and coming dealer essentially. And they're like just starting life. They were they had a really big online presence for the past maybe three years and were like a resource that you would find. And they had an online store and they were successful in that. But they just opened a brick and mortar store, we'll call it a year ago. And they've been, I think, slinging it. It's very obvious that they're kind of like drowning in business and bikes and stuff. It's just insane. It was a madhouse in there. I was the only customer at the time, but they were just like slinging bikes and doing stuff and getting the shop set up. It was pretty crazy. But yeah, good Good smooth transaction, bought a bunch of accessories and stuff from them as well, just like right out of the gate, pegs and bars and skid plate and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, moral of the story is in stock form, that thing is shockingly capable, super good bike, Uh, you know, surprise, surprise, it makes like triple the power of a regular Suron, so it just does everything a lot better. It weighs about 190 pounds versus 140 or so for your average Suron, so it's about 50 pounds heavier, but that's about 
30 to 50 pounds lighter than a full-size moto that's going to be a gas bike so still definitely has a lot of the advantages of that smaller lighter more flickable bike especially in a trail like tight situation where you're going to drop the bike a bunch and technical stuff so it was awesome had a super good time uh what else about it? I have some wheels on the way. I've got some Warp 9 1821s coming, and it's going to be crazy. They have uh, titanium spokes. Ooh. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. How much lighter will those be than what's on there? It is, overall, it should be a wash if I do all my stuff correctly. So the tires are definitely a lot heavier. Uh, maybe they're one to two pounds at least heavier each, but the wheel should be one to two pounds lighter each. So, I mean, if I gain one or two pounds, I'm not going to be surprised, but I think it's going to be really close to a wash. I'll weigh everything and get all nerdy on it, and I'll let you guys know. But yeah, I got a super bougie Warp 9 wheel set on the way, and but even without that, I was like really surprised. If they made better options in those 19s, I would probably try to keep running them, but they just don't, especially for the front. You just can't get anything that's a good front tire that's not this tiny little skinny piece of shit. So you kind of just have to go with a 21 and there's nothing in between. What else about that? I think that covers the Suron Ultra B. They're really neat. So uh, I'm pretty happy. When I first rode this thing, we'll call it maybe a year ago. I don't remember exactly when it came out, but one of my buddies got one pretty early on. And I wasn't, I didn't dislike it. And definitely the power was super good and the throttle curve was good and the battery capacity is good. And it's like a solid, it's just a much more well-built solid bike the suspension's a lot better obviously all the things but i wasn't in love with like the size of it it was just it still felt a little too full-size moto for me but maybe after riding for another year uh, i got on it and i feel super at home and i'm sure just a couple more rides i'll be ultra comfortable on it but you know as you get more experience doing track stands and techie stuff and you know having to muscle bikes around when you get into a spot where you got to turn around or do whatever it just becomes a lot easier. So as the bikes get heavier, of course, it's not as big of a deal. Still a huge proponent of the lighter bikes and the smaller bikes. I think that's the way to go for the average person. But anyway, super cool. I'll give more feedback on it, but super awesome. And I'm super, super stoked about it. Also, a little thing, I was able to get it all like fully legit legal, which is really cool. These bikes are in this gray area where it's like difficult or impossible to get them registered even as an OHV, an off-highway vehicle. And everyone kind of just flew under the radar and like, you know, hasn't really been a problem. I only got one ticket on it. So over the past two or three years. So this one, luckily it actually comes from the factory with a VIN number, which means it comes with an MSO or MCO, whatever you want to call it, a certificate of origin from the manufacturer saying like what it is, here's the VIN number. And it's all like registered with entities and stuff. So I was able to take that paperwork to the DMV and gave them money and they gave me my OHV sticker. So I'm like fully legit legal and it's just kind of nice to have that. Sweet. So is this what I should buy? Uh, if you want a trail bike, yes, they are. Yeah, you'll have to ride it. It's pretty It's pretty well done. I'm interested to ride your trials bike too because I'm sure it obviously is a different bike, <laughs> trials bike. But it sounds like it's a pretty well executed thing so yeah it it's it's just legit you know what i mean it's, yeah it's yeah i think the the suron is 90 percent legit like all the fasteners they use the casting quality the routing and wrapping of cables and wires and the 
brakes and all the things on it are definitely everything is 100% moto now there is zero bicycle stuff on it whatsoever so that probably helps a lot do you think that that with it be just I guess it coming in a state of being with a VIN number without bicycle parts all of that do you think that they're going to trickle that down to their other models and start making them I don't know a little bit more moto legit from the factory no, I think from a paperwork standpoint, yes, I think they're starting to do that because legally I think they're being required to because there's so many people riding in the gray area. I know that Suron, at least in Utah, I think Suron is going to require everything to be sold from an actual motorsports dealer now. So I don't think there's going to be, I think you could still mail order them, but it has to come. The anti, It's not just going to be a guy in his garage anymore. There was a lot of those weird, not real dealership people doing this stuff. So I think all Surons, no matter how big, are all going to come with MSOs now. So they're all going to have actual VIN numbers. Because let's be real, these are all motorcycles. The, right. the Light B and the Tulare MX-3 and MX-4 are much slower, smaller, lighter motorcycles. But it's no different than, you know, so is a PW50 little kid's 50cc thing or all those 110 pit bikes you see ripping around. Those are motorcycles. So yeah, I, right. even though if it PW50 makes five horsepower, like that's great. It's a five horsepower motorcycle. And these have always been that, always from day one, whether people want to admit it or not, they're freaking motorcycles. Uh, they might be slow and inconspicuous, but they are motorcycles. So they should have had these from day one, but they were able to, because they were electric and they were small and light and unassuming, they were able to get away with it, but I think not anymore. And also I think very recently, Utah, who's very, uh, we're pretty open about stuff. Like we don't like a whole lot of rules here. And even Utah <laughs> was like, hey, if you're ripping around on Sarans and Talarias, uh, you got to get an OHV tag, which is going to be- So they'll finally let you buy one? Which is going to be very, no, that's the thing. It's still challenging. If you bought one in the last three years, it didn't come with an MSO. Like, so me as the consumer, I didn't do anything wrong. Like they just sold the thing to me as a thing. That's it. It's not, it was never a motorcycle. So like, but then you get a ticket for riding a motorcycle, but they won't sell you a license for your motor or a tag for your motorcycle. That's correct. So that's correct. It's like, how can they tell you it's not a motorcycle to be registered and then ticket you for not registering your motorcycle? That's a phenomenal question. One that I've been trying not to ask too much. I took the first ticket I got and smiled and nodded and paid the fine and you know, whatever it was the cost. The way I justified that is that was the cost of me getting the OHV tag. So like, I don't really care. It's more just the principle of it and the fact that it's annoying and I have to like kind of look over my shoulder everywhere I parked. You know, if I saw a white DNR truck, I just like kept driving. Right. But now I'm going to be like, come on over here, motherfucker. Look at my paperwork and leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> and then he breaks your taillight. He, he breaks your taillight with his flashlight and is like, sir, you have a taillight out. <laughs> yeah. That's something that the DNR would do. They're not, uh, they're not well-liked folks around here. Anyway, so that's enough. Uh, that's enough. Saran motorcycle talk, moral stories. It's really neat. I'll try to post some pictures and or video at some point, but they're really cool. I recommend everybody go buy one. Rip on to questions and stuff. Uh, do you want to do new shit, or do you want to like start a new meeting and then do new shit? I mean, I think we can just try to be super quick about stuff. I think we'll be fine. All right. We don't really have a ton of questions. We had a couple of people recommend radios for Matt. Uh, do we want to talk new shit before we do? 
Yep, go. Okay. Uh, the one that everyone, I got this and is sent to us in Instagram like 500 times, the saddle spur. And it is a saddle that is approximately the shape of a flattened specialized power saddle with a giant tail coming out between your ass cheeks. Like up at a 90-ish degree, not exactly. Well, yeah, it's it's pretty close to a 90-degree angle. Uh, Wait, that goes... That, that super phallic object with a rib on the top isn't designed for anal insertion? I was going to say, I, I thought mean, that went inside you. If you if you have a specialized command post or if you have too much air in your wolf tooth resolve post. Uh, wolf tooth tax. It could, it could definitely uh, do some anal insertion if you, you know, just hit it wrong. So how long does your dropper post need to be if you're riding a saddle spur? I don't know. Yeah, that would be pretty... That would be a pretty unpleasant thing trying to <laughs> trying to get back over that. Even if it missed your genitals, that could like stab you in the stomach. Yeah, that that could definitely cause some some vaginal damage too. Can you imagine if they got like caught in your scrotum and caused testicular torsion? Yeah, there's that's just a lot of there's a lot of genital danger with this saddle. Yeah. You know, my favorite part about this is I can't figure out how wide it is. Oh, it says in the article it's 130 millimeters wide. So it's, oh, I'm on their website and it won't tell me how wide it is. So no, it's it's in the article I saw. And the the silly thing is there's there are no pictures of anyone actually riding it. There's a picture on the website of a lady standing over her bike with one foot on a pedal and she has this saddle on her bike. But that's it. That's the closest thing you get to see of someone riding it. I've clicked all over the website, and well, they don't exist yet, so I'm, maybe that's not a rideable. Yeah, sample. I'm getting on the old internets here. Yeah, there's not a single. There's not a single picture of and anybody. What's riding weird it. is in the article, like a couple of their media photos, the saddle is on a seat post and it's clamped on backwards, so it's on like a setback Wait, seat post that's turned. Get it in the. Send it to me in the chat because I normally just look at your screen. Oh, I do see one picture of it on a bike that's in, it's installed correctly. Yeah, but no, yeah, but just some of the media photos, it's on a setback no seat people. post. Yeah, there's just there's no pictures of anyone riding it, which is not surprising, <laughs> honestly. Hmm. Okay, so uh, mo- moving on from phallic shaped saddles. All right. Let's go to Kenny. This is for you. The new specialized Kinevo SL2 boasts yes. more power and torque. Give yes. us your. I didn't even read the article. I figured you had thoughts. Uh, yeah, I have lots of thoughts. I have lots of thoughts about the SL2 platform in general. Uh, I was really hoping that the new SL platform would use the TQ motor, and then with all the specialized sauce on top and tuning and all that kind of stuff, but. No, they stuck with the Molly motor, which is not bad. I really had no problems with mine other than it's really freaking loud. This new motor, which has been out on other bikes, by the way, this came out on the SL. Basically, all they did is it is the exact same Kinevo SL as before. I don't think they changed a single thing on it. It's the same battery, same frame, same suspension. They just tacked in the 1.2 version of that motor, which is fine. It makes a tiny bit more torque, which is whatever, and it is quieter. And it uses SRAM arms now. So it is like the guts of the motor are quite redesigned. The first one was not problematic really, but they made it quieter, a little bit more torque, and it uses a little bit more industry standard. Actually, it's not industry standard at all, but it might become industry standard. They're using that like that lobe pattern that you see on all dub cranks. It uses that. Of course, that stuff didn't really exist because 
that's great for a non-drive side arm, right? Like that load pattern is a thing and that left arm is a thing, but now you have a right arm that also has that same load pattern and no normal cranks use that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so my thoughts are, I think the first gen Levo or Kinevo SL that I own is perfectly fine. This one I'm sure will also be perfectly fine. I was hoping for bigger leaps and changes in like motor and battery. I'm super duper bummed they haven't changed the battery at all. It's still like pretty old school stuff, honestly. It's not using any kind of fancy cells or anything like that. So kind of bummed on that, the whole SL platform in general. I just, I'm not bummed on it. It's very good. I think it's one of the best SL platforms out there. I just wish that they, I wish they pushed it further. That's all. I just saw the price of the S-Works Turbo Kinevo SL2. It's, it's probably 19, a lot of dollars. Oh, it's in this is in Canadian dollars. It's nineteen thousand yeah. Canadian dollars. Yeah, that's like that's like five thousand US. It's not five thousand. <laughs> no, it's probably. I'm not gonna hold on. I'm let me Google it. It's probably around fifteen. Yeah. Turns out it costs a lot to send stuff to Canada and import it in there. Um. I think their dollars are just worth worth less than our dollars. One Canadian dollar equals 0.72882 American dollars. Right, but also when you're factoring in prices, you have to factor in their import duty too. Um, I mean, I know we pay an import duty as well, but I, it might be a little bit more for them possibly. I don't know. So the the U.S. price for 18, currently for a $19,000 bike is about... $13,800. There you go. Well, there you go. Like Kenny said, um, around 15. But yes, I think that it's still a perfectly good platform. I was just hoping for more evolution. That'll be the SL3. I guess, yeah. They can't make all of those jumps at once. They've got to get you to get the new one, and then you got to get the new one after that. And Yeah. Yeah, we've been semi-stuck on battery tech for a couple generations now. Like there's, if you want a battery that weighs... If you want a 700 watt hour battery right now, it's going to weigh what it's going to weigh. There's going to be nothing. There's nothing dramatically different out there. It's kind of like, like the bike light world. There was huge leaps when LEDs were just like all these companies were churning out better and more efficient and brighter LEDs all the time. And people would make new, awesome, better bike lights all the time. And it slowed down a ton on that front. So I think we're in a similar territory with batteries i think we're going to see a lot of really cool stuff in like five years but next year for example i don't think we're going to see any like huge breakthroughs but once we get to like solid state batteries and all this other fancy stuff i think we're going to start seeing really really cool crazy stuff happening but that's a while down the road you know those big never mind i don't have time for a tangent like that in this show never mind you know what i'm just looking we got nine minutes kenny kenny you got me curious uh i just looked up light and motion they still sell the same... We don't talk about them anymore. Oh. Well, I was just going to say... No, wait. Light and motion. Yeah, they're fine. <laughs> uh, they The Sika or Seika, I don't know which one it is, Enduro headlight is exactly the same as the one that I got to race my first vapor trail in... Nope. That's not true. It looks exactly the same in the picture. They haven't changed the shell of the lamp, but the lumens were upped by about 10% in the same packaging. So yours are 1,800 lumens, and the one that I got even a couple of years ago is a 2,000. Oh, okay. But yeah, very. they've slowed down a ton in the bike light world as well. All right. 
But I mean, they're really good. Sure. Yeah. Uh, something that I think is very front range inspired, uh, like front range of Colorado. I don't know how it is in, in Utah where you are, Kenny, but in the front range of Colorado, bike theft is fucking insane. Like thieves break into people's garages and people will have their bike chained, like anchored to the floor with a whatever the top grade chain is, the big gold one. Uh, with one of those, and they will cut that off and steal the bike. And Hiplock has made what they call an anti-angle grinder anchor and U-lock system. And they say that the, they use uh, several different materials, including... Let me go find it in the article. I'm, while you're looking that up, I'm just going to throw it out there. If bike theft was that bad, I would just run i would just become a runner i I just couldn't deal with it uh so the one of the it's a 20 millimeters of hardened steel as the core topped off with a material that they say is they call it ferrosafe it's a graphene reinforced ceramic composite coating designed to oh graphene designed to burn out a dozen rotary blades and the motor of the grinder before you can cut through it so you just need a sledgehammer to uh, just break the concrete that the thing is anchored into. And I guess that's like what people don't understand about theft is, okay, then I'll just hook a big kinetic rope to the U-lock and drive out of your driveway. And if I get your bike, cool. And if I don't, cool. Realize the person stealing this shit has zero skin in the game. So they can, like literally, new bikes are so fancy. Like take my Epic, for example. Envy bar, envy wheels, level ultimate brakes, transmission, power meter, right? Like, it's tit. You could just just use your grinder just to cut, cut through the down tube and take the whole bike and sell all the shit off of it. Or just put all those parts on your bike, and then your bike is really upgraded. Yeah. You know, like, I think that's what people are, like, greatly missing in this theft stuff is, at some point, the bike isn't, it's not like a car where you either get it or you don't. It's, there's still a lot of, I mean... There's a lot of stuff you could scrap off a car, but I think y'all get what I'm saying. Yeah, I, yeah, I do I like mean, how in one of the media photos, it's you locked it's a bike you locked to a like a bike rack, and the bike rack is definitely not made out of 20 millimeters of steel with a ferro whatever graphene a, coating. Yeah, graphene coating. Like it's the the bike rack is definitely not angle grinder proof. That's yeah, I think there's there. there's two types of theft. There's going to be one just of opportunity, like the guy who has his unlocked super bougie Yeti on his tailgate pad, like that's gone. And then there are the thefts that the person is going to take whatever you have because they're going to take it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think locks can help, but it's like the degree of lock I don't think matters a whole lot because... It, someone's either going to not mess with it because it's locked up or they're going to steal it because yeah. they know it's really expensive and it doesn't matter how the fuck you have it secured. They're either going to ruin your shit or they're going to take it or both. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, you know, my, my former boss said that bike locks are just to keep honest people honest. Pretty much. Yep. I do want to say, uh, apparently in Memphis, uh, 41 cars per day get stolen. That was a, a pretty nuts. A statistic that my mom gave me because apparently Memphis is uh, a little more dangerous than uh, when we lived here. I don't know. Maybe um, 
I will say that now that I have driven in multiple other places besides Memphis on a regular basis. Memphis is straight wild. It's like half of the people on the road, it's like their first day operating a motor vehicle. And the other half of the people are just heavily conditioned to just get around those other people as fast as possible in whatever way possible. So you've got a bunch of 70-year-old blind dogs driving mixed in with Dale Jr. Yeah, exactly. It's it's freaking nuts, man. Like, if you just want to, like, drive the speed limit, you're going to be going faster than a lot of people. But then at the same time, you're going to be getting passed by other people that will run up behind you at 90 to 100 miles an hour and just swerve off in a direction without any regard to anything else around them like it's insane yeah i've heard that from multiple people now that that type of driving is like just become the style that's just how it's like i don't know i mean i did that when i was an asshole and i lived in memphis but it yeah seemed i really like didn't feel of- like memphis was that way when i lived there i think everyone it just seemed like pretty normal honestly how people drove yeah it's really weird it's a weird vibe here in general like it's it's always been a little like racist and segregated, but like now it's way more racist and segregated. So it's it's uh, not it's not cool. I don't really like it. I don't know what could have contributed to that in the last seven years. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, so apparently so few students were going to the high school that I went to in Germantown, which is a little suburb, like a super white bread suburb outside of Memphis. So few students. There are two high schools in the in Germantown. So few students were going to the one that I went to and like they were pulled out of there and put in private school, basically, that they sold, they're selling that property. Like that's the last graduating class was this year and they're just getting rid of that school because there are so many, there are not enough students in Germantown to support two public schools. That's crazy. Is the other one going to be Houston? Yeah. There's a skate park behind that school. Yeah, there is. All right, let's keep going with new shit. <laughs> Enough about Memphis. There's not... I We can talk about this other stuff briefly. There's a company called Shovel Research, and they made a cantilever mount for your fork, which I don't really think matters now unless you're one of those people that wants a set of, I don't know, bougie Paul brakes. But now... If- no, did you look at their website? No. No, there's definitely a huge market for this stuff for their customers. Oh. And their customers are riding crust bikes or well, yeah, shit like that. That's what I meant. Like, if you're into that kind of stuff, this is, I don't know, this is what's for you. If if this was out back when I was, I don't know, racing a cyclocross or something, I, I probably would have gotten something like this. It was, it's interesting, but I'm not into it now. Also, they make brass barrel adjusters. Those will never bend. And they're $45 for a pair. Yeah. And the other thing... That I thought was interesting. Uh, Ride with GPS now has an app for your phone, and you can uh, basically use it to navigate. They say it will navigate you on more bike-friendly streets if you need to navigate someplace. Uh, the thing that caught my eye in this app is their little animated GIF that they use in this article is of Salida. Oh, is it? Yeah. You gonna go? Are you look- sure? Uh, yeah. You I haven't sc- found the GIF yet. Scroll, like, go to the article and scroll to oh, the... Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. That is wild. Uh-huh. So- I mean, but it's a really dumb place to do this because everything in Salida is bike-friendly. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just a a bike routing tool. It's, 
It's all right. I had a customer call me and, and want to buy a GPS unit. And I was like, cool. What's your main goal? And he's like, navigation. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Well, and he's like, but I'm going to use it on my motorcycle. And I was like, no. <laughs> and he's like, why not? And I was like, it might send you places you can't go. And he's like, man, I can ride this thing places. I'm like, no. I mean, like, it's going to have you ride on, like, non-motorized paths. And he's like, oh, shit. I didn't think about that. <laughs> and I, like, did some quick Googling. And I was like, you should buy one of these. Dude, where do I buy that? And I was like, the dirt bike stores. And he's like, God. He's like, I feel dumb, but I'm glad I called y'all because y'all are always nice. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know. And then we talked about motorcycles for like 15 minutes. <laughs> All right. We have a website form entry, and then I think we had a patron question or two from our Slack channel. Uh, okay, form- I'm back. Sorry, I lost you guys there. My internet died. Oh. You didn't miss anything. Oh, yeah, we I'm, were just- I'm literally on my cell phone right now, so. <laughs> as long as you're still recording on your computer, it doesn't matter. Yes, I am still recording on my All right. computer. Um, Wonderful. But yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's pretty crazy. My internet has been amazing for like the first four years I lived here. And then this is probably the second or third time it's gone out. They're just like digging up roads and doing all kinds of stuff, I guess. You're getting ready for all those ultra bees on the road. <laughs> yep. Uh, the swarm's coming. So we had a uh, listener, Jordan, says, I've heard y'all reference bearing issues with I-9 Hydras. Just came across this video and thought it was interesting. I wonder if heavier riders should be steered away from hydras and it's i watched most of the video i kind of clicked through it quickly and it's a guy from a a wheel building shop i think um hold on let me click on it and just make sure i make sure i get the name right it's from wheelworks handcrafted wheels and he is talking about the hydra hub and talks about how the bearings can flex and start to chew through the like the lip portion like the the place where the axle has a lip on it on the uh, I think it looked like the non-drive side I'm not sure but basically your bearing um, after a, a lot of wear and flex can cause that spot in the axle to break and his solution is make sure your stuff stays clean and inspect the axle for wear when you replace bearings and if it's worn, replace the axle, which I think is just, I don't know, yeah, I mean, that seems like fairly, common sense. Like you got to take care of your shit. Fairly common sense. There's a lot of, it's not just Hydras. There's plenty of brands where if you obviously let a bearing go so far that it like locks up and it's spinning a bearing as in like, you know, if you spin a bearing in an engine in a car, it's very bad. It scores everything up and all the things. Same thing applies here. I've definitely replaced probably five or six Hydra axles, but I've also replaced, mm, I don't know, 50 stands axles. So those don't count. Yeah, there's definitely, it's a possibility. I mean, how many DT Swiss axles have I replaced? I don't know, one. So without a doubt, I mean, this is like, this is directed squarely at Industry 9. When are you guys going to fix your bearing problem? It's been, (laughs) it has been horrific since well since first generation the first ones were insane because the bearings were insane and they also died and then second gen torch great hubs a lot of progress there but the bearings were the most delicate things in the world and then newest generation also the most delicate things in the world i just do not understand i i challenge anybody if you see someone on the trail with industry nine hubs i want you to say hey do you mind just 
I'm going to pull one of your wheels out of your bike really quick. And I want you to feel those bearings in your hand. And they're going to feel like absolute shit. Every <laughs> single one. Or they're going to be completely locked up. I just don't understand how they can continue to sell that stuff. Like I like I9. I like the company. I like the idea of their products. The people have always been very nice to me. But fix your fucking bearings, guys. That's it. Yeah. Stop. Stop. Well, twofold. You need to come up with a better sealing system. And can you please, for the love of God, stop using ABEC 5 bearings? They're garbage on a mountain bike and they're expensive. Like, just stop it. I think you you would have half the bearing failures if you just put in half the price blue seal ABEC 3s and it would be done. And then if you put some better seals in there, then they might work as good as DT Swiss. There you go. Yeah, I mean, the takeaway from this is I wouldn't say heavier riders shouldn't be riding Hydras. I'm just saying that if you get nice fancy shit you still got to take care of it it's like suspension you know you have to just grab your axle every now and then and spin it and say does this feel notchy does it feel gritty if it does does it blend i mean spin (laughs) you gotta you just gotta take care of it you can't just let it ride like that because you've got light there's a reason why industry nine shit's light right like it's got a really light nice aluminum axle in there but it's a light aluminum axle, and if you let your shit go to shit, then it's going to make your aluminum axle go to shit. I mean, I think everybody's running an aluminum axle, but I don't. I haven't seen the issues with hydras or torches that Kenny has. Like, I rode a set of torch hubs for seven years and maybe replaced the bearings once. Yeah, I mean, I think I did a couple of times, but it was. I don't like, know. Like, I'm not if trying replaced... to. I'm not trying to be funny, and I don't really work on bikes anymore. And it's super funny that I just overhear all my mechanics all the time. They're like, oh, here's a set of hydro hubs. Let's see if the bearings are bad. Yup. It's like, and I'm truly, I'm not even like talking to them about it anymore. They're forming their own opinions. And it's very funny that they are the exact same ones. <laughs> they still make 350. If you just want to have no engagement, but never change your bearings, then go for it. And truly though, DT350s, they don't have bulletproof bearings either. It's, it's the DT, uh, and not even. I don't like the new. I don't like the new DT hubs. I think the bearings maybe got a little smaller or something. I'm not really sure. I have to go check my DT350 front. It probably has a thousand miles on it now. I think my front might be getting a little grindy, so I'll report back. And the most bulletproof hub I've seen so far is the last generation DT240. It had full stainless bearings. I don't know exactly who made the bearings, if it's actually DT or by someone else or some other Swiss company, I'm not sure. That hub, holy crap, those bearings just inexplicably lasted forever. All right, are we ready for more questions? Sure. This is from our patron. One more. Our patron Slack. This is, uh, if you want to join our patron Slack, go to patreon.com and find Just Riding Along. You can join us for as little as $3 per month. So, patron questions we have from Josephine Exotic. Josephine Exotic. What does that hoe want? Wants to know, what is the ugliest bike currently for sale and in history? The ugliest bike in history is that Marin Wolf Peak or whatever it was. I don't remember not? what that one looked like. I don't remember that the one. Mar- uh, it was that bike where it looks like one group of engineers made the front triangle and another group of engineers made the rear triangle and it was just... Oh, the Wolf then Ridge. They, like, the, what was it, Wolf Ridge? Yeah. Yeah, that bike just, it has, it's just so ugly. It, it's like they did a great unveil, and <laughs> then 
they were like, oh shit, we got to make these two work together. And that is currently for sale. I will, hold on, I'll drop it in the chat so you all can look at it. Oh, I, I knew what it looked like without looking it up. I can't think of anything. I mean, that's definitely an ugly bike. I I really can't think of, I don't really like, and this is going to make some old people mad, the Y-frame mountain bikes. I didn't like those. The slingshot, didn't like that either. Yeah, they were interesting, but they were definitely ugly. You know, like your your ugly baby can have a lot of character in his, in in his Christ, Kenny. Your ugly baby can have a lot of character in his or her face, <laughs> but it's still an ugly baby. Why is it not yeah. showing me? Yeah, I didn't like the. I I think in history I'd say Y-frame mountain bikes with spinner G wheels didn't like. But they that. didn't work. We were still trying to. We as an industry were still trying to like figure it out. You know. Well, yeah, but. I'm still. I'm just saying. Like, I think historically, that's a very ugly bike. And okay, I don't I'm, know I'm about now. I'm now stuff. looking at the Wolfridge, and yep, that that is. Uh, <laughs> like I said, it looks like somebody made the front triangle, and then somebody made the rear triangle, and then they did a great unveil, and they're like, "Fuck, we got to make these work together." I've also never. Oh my god, the I just have the what the fuck is happening? The oh wow, I guess in the chain stay which would be like the bottom bracket to the back is so short. The like the chain ring hits the tire, hits the rear tire. That's insane. Hmm. Also, why would you have a publicity photo with their dropper halfway down? It's really weird. <laughs> I can tell you why. <laughs> why? Because someone in their creative department decided that we need to and I'm going to I'm going to reference this somewhere else really quick. I'm just going to pull up any other bike. Yep, we're going to set the saddle level with the handlebars. Maybe that's possible, and but also like the cranks aren't even like level with the ground. Like if you're going to do all this stuff and you find like a, uh, it's just it's just odd to me that you would go through the trouble of like taking a publicity picture of a bike and fuck it up. Well, the only thing I'll add here though is by making the crank slightly right foot down, you can see more of the bicycle. Oh, I found one that's the ugliest bike. It's what is it? Structure Cycle Works. You can go to structure.bike and see this bike. I haven't seen a picture of it yet. Structure Bicycle Works? Uh, oh my god. Yeah, that's pretty. It's got a linkage front end on it. <laughs> and not a front fork, a linkage front end. Oh yeah, okay. That doesn't really uh I want to say that doesn't count because <laughs> Wait, does that have a jack shaft? I don't know. What's a jack shaft? Oh, no. I'm just looking at a photo, and they wanted to show off the suspension. Sorry, I thought it had a jack shaft, which is like a rod that connects the crank to the rear hub. No, they just reoriented the bicycle to be facing to the right, but non-drive side out. So it's it's disc side out. They flipped the photo. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not into it. <laughs> um, I you want to always... send me one? I always thought the Orbea like hardtail race bikes, the carbon ones, the Alma. Yeah, I thought that was such an ugly bike. It was so obvious that they were trying too hard to like put angles in it for no fucking reason whatsoever, other How than to put weird angles in down. it. And then like the cable routing was horrible, but like open. Uh, I put it up there with the Pinarello bikes. I think the Pinarello Dogma is the is a super ugly bike. 
it's because they they're trying too fucking hard. It's like the Princeton wheels. They're trying too hard. No, man, they're faster. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> they're faster. All right. Um this let me just we'll do this last one. We'll wrap up with a uh, Phil Phil my Wang's question on Patron Slack. He said I almost met him the other day. He says, I listened and heard how Full Face Kenny says shop guys hate canyons. Are they put together cheaply? I did hear they basically use cheese alloy for their bolts, and so they round out easily. I also, I was also curious if you guys heard anything bad about Fazari, as I know they are in Kenny's neck of the woods, since I was interested in a bike from them. Like a lot of things in life, there seems to always be an us versus them mentality, and I was wondering if it might be a little bit of that, in this case, shop brands versus direct-to-consumer, on why people may hate Canyon, YT, etc. I hear quality issues in some quote-unquote shop brands like Transition and Orbea as well. I don't mind buying something with a stupid name like Fazari, just want to make sure the bikes are quality. Well, I can say yeah. from my experience from getting the Canyon fat bike... It's kind of the fit and finish of the bike, just putting it together, putting zip ties to the zip tie holders. I don't know, just looking at the paint on it, all that kind of stuff. It was just, I mean, they hit a price point, right? You know, they, it it just wasn't, I don't know, it just wasn't that that nice to just deal with as a mechanic. I don't really know how to explain it. I know that sounds just like the us versus them thing. But I, I just want to say, like, just all the little things on it were just a little bit cheesy. I mean, it costs that much for a reason. Yeah. I think... Go ahead, Kenny. Yeah, I've got lots of lots of thoughts here. And I was in the middle of typing up a ginormous response to that, and I, I didn't actually get it finished. So... Did you read my response? Is it kind of spot on that, like, they just make a bunch of kook parts and super proprietary stuff and then don't support it well? I mean, that's that's a problem. Yeah, I think they're... They were probably more guilty of that in the past. To be honest, like truly honest, I haven't really looked at a lot of their models. I don't know a ton about them. I know that they show up all the time in the shop and a lot of people here locally ride them. Same with Fazari, but definitely Canyon's a lot. I got a lot bigger presence. And so a couple things. They think they've sponsored as a company. They've sponsored and gotten behind a lot of the correct people. And they have, I hate using the word influencer, but like they found truly influential people, I think. And I think that's helped their cause a lot. So from their marketing side, I think they've probably spent their money extremely wisely. Um, From a product standpoint, I guess I'll take another step back. The us versus them. I think 100% there's a lot of us versus them, right? Let's be real. Everybody in normal brick and mortar retail gets nervous when the competitive, the cyclists of the world crop up and get big. And the Canyon bicycles get big, right? Like no one wants the status quo to get upset. And there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on the line. There's a lot of people's jobs on the line. There's a whole lot of reputation on the line, all the things, right? So of course there's a lot of nervousness there. And I think that contributes to the us versus them mentality. It's difficult to be it's difficult to try to be as good as you can be in the local bike shop world and try to get behind the best brands, maybe the specialized of the world, the whoever. There's a lot of other really good brands out there. It's hard to get behind those brands and see those brands do a lot of good and have really good uh really good warranty support and good parts on hand and really good solid engineering and good quality control, all those things. And then us as a local bike shop investing in that brand and you do all this stuff. And then here comes someone else 
doing it cheaper. And hey, sometimes you need to to rile up the market. You need to ruffle some feathers. You need to show that you can do it differently. But I think a lot of people don't realize that the model for the local bike shop, I'm not saying it cannot be streamlined. I'm not saying we can't bring costs down. I think we can. But there's a lot of other things along the way, right? From, again, like I mentioned before, quality control and having parts on hand and having a lot of knowledgeable people um, having parts on hand, not only at the local bike shop, but at like a distributor level, right? Like there's so many different ways you can get all that stuff and having this, you know, having all this tribal knowledge of other people, other shops that have stuff and experience. And it's nice that a specialized could unfortunately be taken care of really good in one shop and maybe not as good in another, but you have all these different heads with all kind of some different angles of knowledge on that same product, right? So when you have just the one source for something, it makes it a little scary. So yeah, if what happens when they have, you know, the team meeting that day at Canyon and you call up there as a customer and no one answers the phone, what the fuck are you supposed to do? It's little stuff like that that bugs me. And it also bugs me just seeing people who, because they're going to save a couple bucks, go and buy this bike and then they're not buying something from me. And like that sucks. And then I inevitably have to like semi half ass try to support this thing with like a smile on my face. So yeah, obviously on this on the face of it, no, I don't really like them. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where they end up in the long term. I think, and I say this all the time. This has got to be this has got to be the hundredth time I've said this. As a consumer, the smartest thing that you can do is buy that product that is supported properly where you live. That might be Trek where you live. It might be specialized where you live. It might be pivot where you live. I don't know. But if you have a good relationship with hopefully a shop, but basically whoever that relationship is with, or if it's with your, I don't know, if it's with your buddy who buys Canyon Direct, I don't care. That's fine. But buy that product that has support because at the end of the day, long term, having good support and good knowledge around that product is way more important than you saving 10% on the front end. So keep that in mind no matter what you do. I don't care if it's a bicycle or buying a car or a house or whatever it is. is no, like, you can buy an old Land Rover. You do what you want. Yeah, networking <laughs> and people are important, right? Like I would say that it was not a wise decision for Matt to buy a Land Rover. However, it's a great decision that he bought a Land Rover because he has a resource who can help him along. And you know, I would much rather get involved in something that the group of people I'm with is behind because that's going to make your life way better in the long term. Yeah, and it's not so much like that you have to try to support Canyon with a smile on your face. And, and I know that y'all sell track and specialize, but just for argument's sake, if you didn't sell track and someone comes in and they need a bunch of funky parts for Madone, you'd be like, hey, sorry, like you're going to need those from a track dealer. There's one, you know, just down the way that should be able to source those parts. If for any reason you don't want them to install them, I'm happy to install them. I just can't source them, right? But you don't have, uh, and like Factor is the same thing. Like Factor has a U.S. presence, but they don't sell parts in the U.S. So if you order something, it comes from overseas. So if you shit your pants and like, or you break your proprietary ass seat post and shit your pants and need a seat post for a race this weekend, you're shit out of luck. They don't have them in the U.S. So... You know, it's just really, it's really annoying. And Factor isn't this this budget brand. They're super expensive. So I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I just, I don't like, I don't like the vibes of what Canyon 
is doing to the industry. I think there's, it's not just because they're taking sales away from local bike shops. It's just, ah, in general, their gravel racer has a mustache. He's cool. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Just not, not a huge, not a huge fan of it. I think it's a, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how their model works long-term on long-term support. You know, what happens when your bike's five years old, 10 years old? Uh, I'm not saying that the specialized of the world's perfect either if you they have plenty of proprietary stuff over the years that if you own and you're trying to maintain now you're screwed so uh, yeah i need to you need to buy a surly karate monkey and ride it rigid and you need to buy a 2015 rim brake alay (laughs) then you're future proofed all right maybe maybe i don't know but i'm just not uh, uh something in particular about Canyon, I can't even put my finger on exactly what it is. Bugs me more than all the other, you know, consumer direct mail ordery type bikes, whether it's the YTs or whatever of the world. There's just something, there's well, something about YT, the Canyon that bugs me. I don't think YT is making a statement that they are as good as Specialized. They're just like, nah, bro, we got a good deal. Come shred one, you know. Yeah, and Canyon's got like a pretty intense pro team all around i mean they've got oh everything canyon team would be the canyon team and intense would have the intense (laughs) but yes i mean they like i said before i think they picked out a lot of really good people i think on the on the marketing side is pretty good i can't remember if i've seen a lot of like print ads or youtube ads or whatever about they make all the margins so their marketing budget is pretty good so i don't know maybe i've seen something i've surely seen like an ad for the lux or something maybe i can't remember so, yeah, I don't know. And I'm not, like, wrenching on them every day either, so I don't have a ton of great, like, inside knowledge on that. I know they do have a couple of weird, goofy proprietary things. They had the that kind of, like, weird two-part road stem thing, right? I think I've dealt with one of those before that, like, broke or something. Didn't they have a weird, like, stem and bar or extendo? Oh, they were, like, extendo drop bars that you had to, like, they, they had some moving parts for some reason. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, not 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 a fan. Not a fan. I just don't think I don't think that the canyons of the world are healthy long term. That's that's my viewpoint. All right. Well, we want to wrap it up. Yep, definitely. Shut her down. All right, everyone. Don't forget we have our fundraiser going for partnership for community action. You can go to justridingalongshow.com, click on merch and donate to get yourself some stickers also just as a reminder since no one has bought water bottles in like three months they would make a great christmas gift just buy them so i can get these boxes out of my dining room (laughs) yeah that would be wonderful and then we can buy more cool colors come springtime when you want bottles for the spring exactly all right everyone thank you all for listening and good night thanks for tuning in to the just riding along show Shit coming out of your great pads. <laughs>